Hello, and welcome to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. While there, you can join in the conversation about this show. Just search for Built Different Podcast in your internet browser. Here now is your host, Zach Clinton, on this edition of the Built Different Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to our newest edition of the Built Different Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I mean, we have an unbelievable guest that I'll get to here in a few seconds, but the topic of and the message today is all about forgiveness. You know, I think of um, some of the hardest moments that I've seen people go through, and I think of my very best friend and his family. Um, I pretty much grew up with him. He's been a brother my entire life. And I'll never forget when they got in a tragic car accident and their family and their life was changed forever since then. Um, A drunk driver was going 90 mile an hour, hit them head on as they were just heading home from church one night. And I'll never forget talking to them about this very topic of forgiveness and hearing Jen, who is my best friend's sister. She's pretty much like a sister to me who now lives with a traumatic brain injury and she always will for the rest of her life. And she said these words, forgiveness is freeing. And she actually wrote a letter of redemption um, to the person that ran them over. And it was something that was like, you know what, I'm going to let this go and I'm going to let God take over this because this is what I need to do to find freedom from it. And their family speaks on that, their hope out loud. So I've seen forgiveness in so many different walks of my life. Um, I've seen so many different people go through with it. I mean, there's so many different quotes such as, you know, forgiveness does not change the past, but it does change the future. You know, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiveness isn't approving what happened, but it's choosing to rise above it. Forgiveness is something that in Christianity and our spiritual walk with Christ, I was just talking to our producer, Mike, the other day, you know, forgiveness is something that we all have to recognize. And when somebody has wronged us, we can't view them with just hatred and anger and resentment, even though the world is telling us to, even though that's how we feel in the moment. We have to be able to say, you know what? Man, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, right? Christ is the only person that ever walked on this earth that was perfect, that truly did not need forgiven, to be honest with you. But Yet there he still died the death that we deserved, and he chooses to forgive us. And that's the beauty of it all is that even though we wrongfully go against him, we all fall short, but yet we all need that forgiveness. So being able to then extend it to someone else is almost a beauty and a sacrifice. It's a sacrificial offering, and it's a representation in a sense of Christ and what he does for us on a daily basis. So forgiveness is one of the hardest things to possibly do, but it's also one of the most freeing and beautiful acts of life, in my opinion. Today, we're going to be hearing part two of this very powerful episode with Davey Blackburn, an unbelievable story of forgiveness. In 2015, Davey's world was turned upside down when his wife of seven years was murdered in their home during a break-in. Since then... God has begun to write a beautiful redemption story of healing, forgiveness, and purpose. 
Davy has devoted his life to helping others find redemption in their own stories and purpose in their pain. One of the slogans for his ministry is this, nothing is wasted. It's amazing to see how God can use the most tragic moments in our lives, the most tragedies, and use them to become triumphant and to show his power and to show off really in the midst of all of our pain. One thing that I've learned throughout my life is sometimes our hardest seasons can grow into our harvest seasons. We can learn the most through the most painful circumstances. So guys, I cannot wait for you to hear this interview right after this break. We'll be right back with more after this. Danny Gokey. Extraordinary Women Worship Experience is returning to Thomas Road Baptist Church in October. I'm Extraordinary Women host Julie Clinton, and I can't wait to see you along with our friends Demi Lee Tebow, Laura Story, Shalene Bryan, and more. Returning with praise and worship, Michael O'Brien, and music from Danny Gokey. Advanced registration tickets, only $64. Order online at eWomen.net. That's eWomen.net. Demi Lee Tebow, Laura Story, Shalene Bryan, Danny Gokey, and more at the Extraordinary Women Conference. Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. Here's your host, Zach Clinton. Davey, in the midst of that darkness and pain, though, you know, what I'm hearing is, like you're saying, it's that firm foundation. It's about being completely anchored in Christ, Right. right? having him for the hard moments, for when the storms come, to be able to stand on him. And as you know, though, we live in a culture and a society that maybe takes on that prosperity gospel approach that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, it says, once you become a Christian, everything's going to be just fine and dandy, right? (laughs) That's what we think. But nowhere in the Bible does God ever mention that. He actually teaches, like you're saying, several times that pain is inevitable. Right. What comes to mind for me is 2 Corinthians 12, when Paul asked the Lord three times to remove the thorn from his flesh, but God responds with, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, right? Right? And Max Licato writes about God's sustaining grace. Yep. And that piece of it doesn't promise the absence of pain, but it promises the presence of God in the midst of that pain. That's right. So, Davey, what would you say to the person who's going through something extremely painful and is really questioning how— could a God who's supposed to be so loving and so good, how could he allow something like this to happen to yeah. me? Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I love the fact that you mentioned that, you know, the idea of this prosperity gospel Yeah, because you're right. I mean, I think one of the misnomers of something that sometimes we get, we get kind of like bamboozled into is believing that as long as we follow after Jesus, that everything's going to be up and to the right. We're always going to be successful. We're always, always going to be healthy and wealthy. And that's just not true. You know, I mean, we can take our cues first from the 12 men that most closely followed Jesus. Right. 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 I mean, even if you take Judas out of there, right. And you put Matthias, his replacement in there. Matthias was also extremely close to Jesus. Yeah. Every one of those 12 men, their lives ended in some sort of death, right? Even John was exiled to the Island of Patmos, right? It was just Every one of them, because they testified to what they saw, they were persecuted, 
and they were ultimately killed. These are the people who followed closely to Jesus. And so if the people who followed that closely to Jesus suffered Hmm. and Jesus suffered, Hmm. how do we expect that us following Jesus is going to lead to the opposite result? We have been absolutely bamboozled by this kind of a gospel. Hmm. And what's even, what's most powerful though, is to recognize the true gospel. And that is that, yes, we're going to experience hardship. We're going to experience trouble. We're going to experience um, pain and trials in this world, but to do what Jesus said and take heart because he has overcome the world. The reality is, is everybody experiences pain. Pain is the common denominator of life. And I would much rather walk through a valley with Jesus than walk through the valley, not with Jesus by myself, you know, or trying to stronghold my way through it because no matter how talented you are, no matter what your your acumen is, your intelligence, your pedigree, or your, de- your degree is, you're going to get to a point where you come to the end of yourself, where what you're going through is not going to cut it. It's not going to measure up. And so, um, you know, to the person who's sitting there going, how could God allow this into my life? How in the world could, to be honest with you, I'm not sure we have that answer fully. I'm not sure we're going to see that answer fully on this earth. And I'm okay with that mystery. I'm okay with trusting in a God that I don't completely understand, but trusting a few principles behind that. And that is that he's got a fuller picture of this whole thing, right? If he's the God that always has been, that is right now and always will be, he's got an eternal perspective that I don't have. And he's able to see everything, including the end of my story. And so while my story right right now might seem like this kind of like verse four season of life, you know, with Psalm 23, like I'm in the middle of this valley. Mm -hmm. The truth is, is that that's the middle of your story. Mm. That in all of our lives, God's promise to us as believers is not that we will not walk through difficult times, but that he will walk through it with us and that he will turn it around for our good. I had somebody write me on Instagram just the other day and they were like, I'm seven years in my valley. I I used to believe that God would redeem my story. Now I don't believe. And I just, I wrote this person back and I said, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. But what, what, what's even more disheartening is it sounds like you're giving up hope. Hmm. The truth is, is that God has a redemption story that he is already writing in your life. You may not be able to see it, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening. You got to look at, you know, the, the heroes of our faith, like Abraham and Sarah, who, who believed God for years and years and years and years and years that he would do the impossible in their life. He, they believed him for his redemption story. And just when they thought that there was no way that they would be able to have this son, Isaac, it's completely impossible, mm. right? God brings the impossible and makes it possible. Mm. And, and that's, that's, the, that's what we can trust in, that we can hope in. And it may not even be on this side of eternity, but... What's really cool about walking through a valley is the work that God does to forge us in the middle of that fire, right? So here's, here's something that just blew my mind when I read it. I, I read this probably four or five months after Amanda passed away. It's a book by Elizabeth Elliot called The Path of Loneliness. Hmm. And if you know Jim and Elizabeth Elliot's story, you know, he was, they were missionaries um, in South America 
And a bunch of the missionary uh, men, they were taking a plane and dropping supplies on this unreached people group who were known to be hostile. And when they felt like they got reciprocity, they got this, uh, you know, indicator back to them that they were going to be, you know, they were going to be amicable and they decided to land. But then th- and that tribe came out and attacked them and killed all the men while the women were listening hmm. on headphones, on the radio headphones. And so this tragic, tragic story. So Elizabeth writes this book after the death of her husband in that tragic way. And then after the death of her second husband to cancer. Wow. So in the middle of second and third husband, she writes this book about loneliness. And this is what she says. And this blew my mind when I read it. She said, what we gain in relationship with the giver Hmm. far outweighs the loss of the gift. What we gain in relationship with the giver far outweighs the loss of the gift. Hmm. That there are these sweet moments that when you lean into the Lord and you press into the ministry of the Holy Spirit during the darkest moments of your life, there are these sweet times where pain becomes this portal Hmm. that shows you this perspective of God that nobody else is privy to. It's this personal thing where you start going, man, God, you met me in this way, in a personal way, in a way you've never met with anybody else. You custom designed, you handpicked this moment to meet with me. And you're revealing things about your character and nature that are like insider information between just me and you, right? Hmm. This is the sweetness of walking through pain. There are moments, honestly, Zach, where you go, like when you're kind of come up out of your valley, you're like, I kind of miss the intimacy that I was sharing with the Lord mm. during the valley. And that's the crazy paradox of life, right? But it's all, for some reason, I don't know what it is about our human nature, that, but for some reason, it's only in those deep, dark valleys as we're leaning into the Lord that, that God ministers to our heart in such a way or that we learn some things in such a way that it unlocks something in us, yeah. unlocks something in our character that you almost can't fabricate when you're on the other side of it. Right. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, when I think about some of the deepest and darkest valleys that I've walked through in my life personally, you know, I feel like this, you said the word intimacy. And that's mm-hmm. something that I always tell people that I have literally felt the peace of God surpass all understanding. And I've yep. heard his whisper saying, Zach, in the absence of clarity, there is this invitation to intimacy with me. Yeah, that's right. right. And it was like, wow, it just blindsided me. And it just yep. kept being repeated. And it kept being brought up in my life. And I thought, my goodness, I need to, I need to do something about this. I need to press right. in. And you're right. There's nothing like those moments. They're so personal and so intimate with Christ when you're walking through the valley. Yep. And it's almost that that push or that pull and that clinging to Christ that we right. have to rely on in that full surrender to Christ that you're talking about, that we have to remember even in our mountaintop moments. That's right. Because that's so that's important. Right. Yep. Such powerful stuff that you're sharing with us. I mean, I'm taking notes over here. Um, but the next thing I really want to dive into is this word and this topic of forgiveness. Mm. That's something um, that when listening to your story and listen to a lot of people's stories, right, mm. it hits home. Yeah. I don't think I can fully grasp onto um, the level of surrender that it took for someone like you or that's still taking for someone like you to, to place um, of forgiveness, to come to that place. 
um, in a situation like yours. And I think it's hard to even fathom because I think you really have to go through that, right, and experience something like that to be able to tell yourself, like, I have nothing else but to choose this. You know what I mean? That's exactly Um, right. Sir, what's the process of forgiveness look like for you? True. Well, you know, I'm glad you said the word process because it is a process. Yeah. You know, you don't just wake up one day feeling like you're going to forgive even the minor offenses in in our life. You know, I mean, if we were to really zoom, zoom back on this idea of forgiveness, the truth is, is we can choose to walk in offense or we can choose to walk in forgiveness. Mm. And it's not a, it's not about like we can choose to take offense or we can choose to give forgiveness. It's like we can choose to walk in it because this is a process and it's an approach to life, right? And my particular process was, was unique. You know, the offense that was done to me, so to speak, was unbelievably heinous and it was horrific i mean it you know three men broke into my house and murdered my wife Mm. and the first time i actually this is the first time i've actually had to kind of stare that decision of forgiveness in the face right i mean i had you know i had had some things where people hurt my feelings before like you know even church planting where people leave the church and maybe they don't leave in the best of ways and you know and you're like you hang on to some of that bitterness and stuff but Nothing that that was that grave and that seismic, you know. And so, when I remember the first time I saw these guys' faces on the on the news, and um, man, is all of a sudden like they're this like faceless kind of nebulous idea became very real to me that there were men in my house and that they interacted with my wife and and then, you know, they they did this to her. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for me, the journey began, um, honestly, well before this, any of this happened, mm-hmm. um, because my story of receiving forgiveness, um, is a, is a very unique one. I remember when I was eight years old, uh, I went to an Easter play and it was one of those plays. I don't know if, I don't know if they have these where, you know, you guys are where your listeners are listening, but Back in the day in high school, they had these like plays that were the alternative to Halloween, right? It was called the Judgment House, you know, and they would take you through all these different, and they're trying, you know, car wreck happens and they take you to hell, they take you to heaven. They basically ask you after that, which one do you want? You know, and they're trying Mm -hmm. to scare the hell out of you. It's, it's, (laughs) it's kind of tastelessly done. Right. Uh huh. And so this was an Easter play that I went to when I was eight and it was like similar in nature to those, but there was something so starkly different about it. And that was, they just took us through these rooms and showed us the life of Jesus. And there was something about the person who played Jesus that was so compelling to me. It was like gravitational. I'm like, man, I was just drawn to this guy. Yeah. And I began to fall in love with him through the, through the journey, right? And then they, the, it winds up in the sanctuary where there's three crosses. I knew the story of Jesus dying on the cross, but I'd never seen it portrayed to me like this. And we get in this scene and the scene stops with Jesus on the middle cross and the pastor comes out, and this is what he says, Zach. This I'll, I'll never forget this, and, and it's so poignant with how it relates to my story. He said, Jesus was murdered for my sin and for your sin. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Isn't that crazy providential that God would weave that into my story, and then, boom, later, you know, I'd be confronted with this. He said, Jesus was murdered for my sin and for your sin. 
And then the scene starts back and you hear Jesus on the cross yelling out, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Mm. And then the pastor gives an invitation. And I'll never forget going to the end of the pew, bawling my eyes out, just like, I didn't know Jesus. I had no idea that I did this to you. I'm so sorry. My sin is what put you on this cross. Please forgive me. And, you know, it's the first time I really had a, a, a real encounter with Jesus. And I gave my life to him. Well, then, you know, as a pastor, well, I was a youth pastor first, and then as a pastor yeah. several years later, right, I, I would preach messages on forgiveness. You know, I would preach about the unforgiving servant. I would preach about, and I would preach them adamantly. But this was the first time I was faced with actually this confrontation of, do you really believe what you're preaching, Davey? Because I would preach this message that basically said the bottom line was it's a spiritual impossibility to experience the forgiveness of God and not also extend it. That we are conduits. We're conduits of forgiveness, right? This is us. This is how we interact in this world by bringing the kingdom of God. That when the worst of worst of worst of things are done to us, we extend forgiveness. Mm. Well, then boom, here I am now with this choice. Do I really believe this? And I didn't feel like, I didn't want to, but forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's a choice. And what ends up happening is you end up, um, when you begin to start walking in forgiveness, you begin to form this thing called empathy because you begin to learn stories. And these faces, you know, now That's become right. stories and you begin to have compassion and you begin to learn like, oh, this is some of the generational sin that led to this. And this is some of the, right? There's just so much more complexity behind all of it that gives you a lot more empathy. But empathy is impossible unless you step into forgiveness first and choose to. Hmm. And the reality is, is if we don't step into forgiveness, I was experiencing this at first when I was like, I don't feel like forgiving. It begins to eat us up on the inside. It's like this, it's like this cancer that just erodes at our soul. And, and it ends up, what it ends up doing is it eats us up on the inside and then it begins to chew up the people around us that we love hmm. because it just oozes from us. This bitterness, this, this toxicity oozes from us and we don't even know it. Right. You know, we say it this way now, nothing is wasted. We say um, that if you don't let God transform your pain, it will inevitably transfer onto somebody else. Mm. That's really good. And the reality of my story is that there was a transference of pain generationally that ultimately led to these guys they were perpetrated against. Hmm. You know, they had pain that they didn't deal with. And then it spilled over into my life. It interrupted my life. And so my choice was, do I just continue to be that spillover effect of pain, hmm. of unforgiveness, of bitterness, or do I stop it? And the only way you can stop it is with forgiveness. That's right. You don't fight fire with fire. That just perpetuates it. You stop it with the opposite. And um, so that that's kind of my journey. Now, at the end of the day, um, do I feel like it every single day? No, 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 no. I don't feel like it. Um, in fact, we haven't, we haven't even, Amanda's trial, her jury trial hasn't happened as a, as up to this recording. And so I will have a moment where, where I will sit in the same courtroom as these men and I will wrestle with the same emotions that any human being would wrestle with. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? If I surrender to that power inside of me, I can approach that situation the way Jesus approached the cross. Amen. Saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. 
And I just think there's something change, like life-changing, world-changing about this idea of forgiveness. I think it, it would really, especially with the, especially with the climate of our world right now and the vitriol that's surrounding so many issues right now, that if we just, man, if we just approached everything and walking in forgiveness, it would change so much. Mm, that's powerful because you're right. Everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody has pain that they have to deal with. But man, Davey, what I appreciate about you and your story is like, like you said, forgiveness isn't a feeling, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. And I know it's nothing that we can do, right? We can't do anything. It is completely Christ. It's not about our faithfulness. It's about his faithfulness. That's right. But sir, to have the perspective and the mindset to fully surrender yourself to Christ and his leading and to choose forgiveness, right? To choose that mindset and this perspective about what you just talked about in the horribly heartbreaking and heart-wrenching situation that you had to live through, that to me is just so impactful and so inspirational. And it touches me. Every time you talk about it, and I've watched so many of your videos, and I hope and I know it will impact so many listeners that are listening in right now. Thank you, man. Can, can I emphasize that, Zach, that it's yes. not by our own doing? Yes. That's what I, I mean, I don't want anybody to make a hero out of me or anybody else. You know, the reality is, is, is I mean, I referred to Jim and Elizabeth Elliot's story. The crazy thing about Elizabeth Elliot is after all that happened to her husband, she went right back into that same tribe and shared the gospel with them. Mm. And that, that tribe now is a reached people group. They believe they put their trust in Jesus because of the power of forgiveness. She had to walk in forgiveness and go share a human being. Can't do that. That's right. You and I cannot do that. No, it's only by the power of Jesus. And that's what I mean by a conduit. You know, when we're living as conduits to God's kingdom, we're just letting the Holy Spirit live through us. We're letting Jesus live through us. And what Jesus would do, right? That's the whole idea of what would Jesus do? It's not me mustering up what Jesus would do. It's just surrendering to the way of life that Jesus calls us, even though it's tough. And then on the back end, we'll see the byproduct of it eventually. We'll see like, wow, the the effects of the living the Jesus way of life is mm. so much more beautiful and sweet Amen. than the alternative. That's right. And we just have to allow God the opportunity because he will show up. Right. And he will show off and he will right. make the tragedy triumphant. That's again. right. He will. That's right. Davey, you are now remarried to your wife, Christy. You mm-hmm. guys have three kids. Just speak to us for a moment on all the good and the restoration mm. that God has blessed you with today, even after experiencing the excruciating pain and the tragedy in your past. As yeah. you've said countless times, though, God, never waste your pain. Help us understand what you're doing today. Yeah, man. So um, I'll give you a briefly, just a little, you know, because I want to encourage your listeners with this on how we met and and the way God wrote this story. Because what I believe fundamentally is that God is, again, he's writing redemption stories. That's right. And the way for us to experience his redemption story is by positioning ourselves for God to write those stories right? To get kind of caught up in the flow of that. And that means trusting in him, following after him. That means I call it three things, position yourself in the places of God, around the people of God and reminding yourself of the promises of God. Right. Yeah. So like be in church and read your Bible and put position yourself in places where you can hear from God and you're surrounded by the people of God and you're continually um, combating your problems with the promises of God. You're, you know, you're hiding his word in your heart. When you live in that way of life, no matter what your valley is, that God's going to do something to write a beautiful story. I promise you, we see it all throughout scripture. And so 
here I was in the middle of all of this, you know, and God was leading me on this healing journey. And I remember um, it was a little after a year after Amanda passed away and God just did something crazy. And, and I feel like expediting my healing journey. Like I said, all these people were coming around me and just giving me, you know, paving a path for me to walk in healing. Yeah. So a little after a year after Amanda passed, this, this girl comes walking into our church, the church that I pastored. And I just took note of her. I was like, man, there's something about her that's different. I just kind of watched her for a few months. Yeah. And then um, I, I always say this jokingly, it sounds really creepy, but we were working out at the same CrossFit gym at the time too. And one night after a workout, I just kind of corner her <laughs> very like pastorally, you know, like, like, uh, Hey, and we just, I was so curious about her. I was like, Hey, I don't know. You've been coming to my church for months now. I don't know anything about you or your story. Tell me your Jesus story. You know right. what I mean? Like oh, yeah. turn it around on that one. <laughs> and uh, she begins to tell me this. Well, the the long story short is she had been serving in our inner city ministry as well. And she had done a bunch of missions work, you know, after um, college. And I'm like, sweet. Like she loves the Lord. She loves ministry. Like yeah. this is, this is awesome. <laughs> So I said, you know, the reason we're doing that inner city ministry is to intercept kids and teenagers before they step into a life of crime related and drug related activity, you know, because we don't want what happened to Amanda and our family to happen to other people. So let's, we were intercepting with the gospel. She goes, yeah, no, I'm really familiar with your story. Hmm. Like, what do you mean? Like she, she said, well, I'm like probably more familiar with it than what you want to know. <laughs> and I'm going, hold on, what are you talking about? She goes, my stepdad is one of the chaplains for the Marion County prison system. And he has been regularly visiting with the guys that killed Amanda and sharing the gospel with them. Wow. 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 Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. The only thing that I could think of to, to like the only words that came out of my mouth were, you want to go grab some dinner? <laughs> like, I'm like, what are you doing, God? Like, this is yeah. this is unbelievable. And I just knew that I had to pull on that thread. You know, I just Absolutely. knew that God was doing something and he's writing a redemption story. And 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 most of the time, what redemption stories look like is that he's going to take our pain hmm. and he's going to turn it around for some great purpose. And so we ended up doing this dating, you know, this like underground dating relationship. We didn't want anybody to know about it. It was kind of weird. We, <laughs> we dated for a little while and then we finally told people we were dating and it was just, um, and then we got married and we blended our family. She had a daughter, I had a son. And then 15 months ago at the time of this recording, we had one of our own, but at the beginning of 2019, we made a huge decision. We felt like the Lord very clearly told us to step away from the church that I was pastoring mm -hmm. And to take and to start a ministry called Nothing Is Wasted. Yeah. Christy has her own kind of story of what we would call little T trauma, lots of trauma of just growing up with a, a dad that abandoned them who was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And she's got this incredible story herself. And we just saw that God was using me to heal her and her to heal me. And we just, we said, you know what? We want to make it our life aim to help other people step into their redemption story. No matter what trauma, tragedy, or major life transition has befallen your life, we believe that if you partner with God, that he will help you take back your story. And, um, and that's what Nothing Is Wasted is all about. And so we, we, have, we basically do it through three ways, content, community, and coaching. We have a lot of things that we offer now. It's kind of just ballooned and evolved over, over the past couple of years. It's been amazing what God's doing. But essentially, we have a podcast called The Nothing Is Wasted Podcast where we interview other people who have these incredible redemption stories. And uh, we talk about 
the hardship of pain and suffering and what God wants to do to meet us in that and how he wants to turn it around for good. Hmm. We have uh, a course called the the Pain to Purpose course. Yes. It's an 11 video kind of 12 week course that you could go through on your own. You could take it in a small group and we actually are launching it in churches now. We've got a couple dozen churches who are who have launched it and we're adding new churches it seems like every single week. Um, so if you're a pastor listening to this, we'd love to come and partner with your church to help you help people partner with God to take back their story and um, but we also have 20 coaches in our ministry that can coach people one-on-one through the pain to purpose course. And ultimately that's our big life passion is just to help other people. We want to, I, I feel like that I was privileged to have other people come alongside me and walk me in the journey. And most people that I interact with, that's not their story. They feel lost. They feel alone. They feel confused. They feel stuck in their Valley. Hmm. And so we want to be that guide that ultimately points them to the big G guide, you know, Jesus right. as their shepherd that walks them through the valley. And so that's that's what our organization does. And and that's what we spend every single day trying to figure out is how we can do it better. Davey, that is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm in my last semester of the clinical mental health counseling program at Liberty University in my master's oh, cool. program. So what you guys are doing is more than needed. Um, yeah. And dude, that is awesome. Um, it's so incredible to hear. I just want to reiterate what you said because I want everyone that's listening to go to Davey's website, found at www.daveyblackburn.com to seriously see all of these amazing things that he's doing to help people change um, their pain and turn it into purpose and helping them understand that nothing is wasted. So I'm just going to reiterate some of the same resources, the Pain to Purpose course, Nothing is Wasted podcast, um, the Thriving in Trial book. I mean, so many different things that we can hold on to tangibly and we can use to help people or to help ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Davey, just in closing, man, I just appreciate you so much. But I'm just going to leave it open for you right here to leave us with this. What is your message of hope, encouragement and challenge to someone tuning in right now? What's the message or word that maybe God has placed on your heart for them to hear as we leave? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, let me share a a little brief story of Scripture, because I feel like that's probably the most powerful way that we can close this. That's right. Um, There's a story about King David. It's a very weird, obscure story, but it's a story about him. For whatever reason, he's on the other side of the battle lines. He's fighting alongside the Philistines. Yeah. Super weird how that ended up happening. But he is using it as an espionage spy type, you know, campaign. He's going and he's, you know, raiding these other like enemy camps and stuff under the guise of being a Philistine. And he comes back to his camp. And uh, there was a clan that had raided his camp and stole his wife Hmm. and all of his men, all of his men's wives and their children. And it's so powerful what David does in the moment of crisis, right? Um, He asks for, it says he asked for the linen ephod. I would have asked for a sword. You know, I would have been like, somebody give me my horse. Like I'm going and. But he first, what he does, he asks for the linen ephod. The linen ephod is the garment of praise. Hmm. It's the same thing that the priests would wear when they would go into the Holy of Holies. They would go into meet with the presence of God. And he said, I want to, I want to first turn to the Lord. The other place in scripture that we see David wear the linen ephod was when he was early, way earlier. He's 
marching into Jerusalem valiantly after this military campaign conquest. And he's dancing, right? And all the women are swooning over him. And and this is where that song, right? I'll be even more undignified than this. That old David Crowder song comes oh, yeah. in because he's dancing undignified, but he's only in a linen ephod. So in his most triumphant moment, in his most tragic moment, mm. he decides he's going to praise the Lord. And I would say the first step in whatever tragedy or trauma or major life transition that you're walking through, no matter what your pain is, if you turn to the Lord, he wants to be in this with you. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. But he wants to walk you through this. And he wants to heal you. He wants to turn it around for your good and for the good of other people around you. I promise you he's writing this redemption story. David turns to the Lord first in his most tragic and, and uh, um, triumphant moments. Hmm. And then what happens after that is he goes, Lord, what should I do? And I love God's response to him. God says, go take him back. Go take him back. And this is what, this is what I want to encourage every single person with is that God is inviting you to partner with him to take back your story. Mm. Take it back. You've got agency. The power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that turns the impossible into a possible situation. He lives inside of you, Christian. No weapon formed against you can prosper because of that. The, the best shot the enemy has, death, the best shot he has has been conquered. Mm -hmm. Go take the story back. Man, Partner with God that. to take the story back. That's right. Turning our pain into purpose through praise and go take your story back. That's right. Davey Blackburn, man, thank you so much for your time, for your vulnerability, for your passion, for your surrender. I can't thank you enough. You have taught yeah, me so you, much man. today. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Everybody, make sure to stick around right after this brief commercial break to hear today's special house call segment on our Built Different podcast with special guest, Rachel Flick. We'll be right back with more after this. Danny Gokey. Extraordinary Women Worship Experience is returning to Thomas Road Baptist Church in October. I'm Extraordinary Women host Julie Clinton, and I can't wait to see you along with our friends Demi Lee Tebow, Laura Story, Shalene Bryan, and more. Returning with praise and worship, Michael O'Brien, and music from Danny Goki. Advanced registration tickets, only $64. Order online at eWomen.net. That's eWomen.net. Demi Lee Tebow, Laura Story, Shalene Bryan, Danny Gokey, and more at the Extraordinary Women Conference. Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. It's time for a house call. This segment features professional counselors in our circle answering one of your questions. On this edition of the house call on the Built Different Podcast, I'm Rachel Flick licensed professional counselor who specializes in trauma. While continuing to work through the pain and grief that you have experienced, was there ever a time in your life that you felt angry with God? How were you able to work through that and find freedom? I absolutely relate to the intense emotions of anger, even fury and rage in the loss of my husband in light of his murder. In many ways, I would say that my anger with God 
was somewhat delayed in a way. And so I would just encourage listeners who are cycling through a variety of emotions that if you're not feeling that right now, that's fine. You're in your process. It's according to, you know, how you need to grieve. I think something that became apparent for me around the two-year mark was that growing up in my household, anger was not a holy emotion. It was something that we suppressed. I didn't have any tools for it. I didn't have any way to cathart it. And that was a real problem when the reckoning time came for me to deal with the deep-seated anger. I actually have discovered some very practical things where I need to physically get the anger out of my body. I am a dancer, and so I will put music that kind of aligns with my emotions in my headphones, and I will dance alone in my home. One night, I um, got out all of my arts and crafts supplies, and I took a giant piece of plywood and I actually made a kind of art installation. It's not very pretty and I wouldn't show it to anyone, but it very much represented the symbolism of the various things that I felt that I had lost and the places in my life that were shattered and um, the grief that I felt and just listened to that music that sounded angry and helped me to connect with those feelings. Um, I actually have a punching bag hanging in my garage and me and my children use it. It's a great way to physically exert that feeling of anger. And I often find that once that rage has cleared through the body, it's often tears and sorrow and loss that is behind it. But you have to kind of clear out what is impacted in the anger as a way to get there. And so I really couldn't even handle or deal with my anger towards God until I had released what was in my body. Some people will drive and scream in their car. Some people will pound a bed or a pillow. I think, you know, anger is one of those emotions that really needs an outlet. Some people run, some people hike, some people do just very vigorous exercise. And I just encourage people to learn how to do that because I know that growing up, I didn't really get that skill set. And then I needed it later in life when I had all of these feelings to deal with. When it comes to specifically forgiving God, I think it's important to remember that feelings do not have brains and you will never heal the heart with logic. And so many people get caught up with, well, it's not spiritual to have to forgive God because he's perfect. So he didn't do anything wrong. But here's the thing is that I don't take offense according to logic or rational thinking. I take offense according to how I perceived the situation. So if I know that God is all powerful and I know that he could have uh, saved my husband's life in a dozen different ways that day, he could have intervened and he allowed what happened to happen not because he wanted it to happen, but because he has a bigger plan that I don't understand, then I can get offended with God. And in that way, I need to take the opportunity to specifically list out the things that I am angry with God for. I forgive God for allowing this to happen. I forgive God for allowing my children to feel this pain. I forgive God for taking away a husband who I dearly loved. And I would work through each of those things very specifically and individually. 
here's the thing is that many people walk away from the faith in a pain and a loss and a trauma like I have experienced, like Davy has experienced. And the difference is, is that we grow cold to God in our anger and we stiff arm him, but God wants to come and embrace us. And truly, the furthest distance we can get away from God is at the end of our arms. He's always there. He's always ready to heal in relationship, to come around us, to work through the pain that we are in. And so I just really encourage people to press into that anger, to allow it to come, get a journal. Uh, You can start with some journal prompts if you feel kind of stuck around this and you just have no idea where to go with the emotions that you're feeling. There are a lot of tools out there, but the big picture is, is that when the time comes, be honest with where you are and what specifically you are offended about in your relationship with God and to press in and to talk with someone if you need to, if you can, if that means a mentor or a friend or a counselor, but this will literally eat you alive from the inside out if you allow it to remain there without that healthy processing. On this week's episode of The House Call with the Built Different Podcast, I'm Rachel Flick, licensed professional counselor and specialist in trauma. Hey everyone, to learn more about Rachel and her amazing podcast titled The Hope Cast with Rachel Flick, please make sure to look her up and visit her website at rachelflick.com. As always, you, my friend, are never out of the fight. We appreciate your time. And we want to thank you for joining us on this edition of the Built Different Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. As we close today, we want to remind you about the upcoming Waymaker World Conference. This world premier Christian counseling event will be held in Orlando, Florida, September 15th through September 18th. Over the last 14 years, the World Conference has sold out with nearly 7,000 counselors, coaches, pastors, chaplains, and more, representing all 50 states and over 40 countries. To find out more, go to worldconference.net. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton.